I'm Michael Dunn, and you're listening to Oregon Rainmakers on KLCC. My guest today is Paul Weinhold, the president and CEO of the University of Oregon Foundation. The foundation manages a staggering $3 billion in assets for the state's flagship university. University of Oregon Foundation's president and CEO, Paul Weinhold, thanks so much for talking with us. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, you know, I know many people have heard of the foundation and know a little bit about it, but I wanted to hear from you. Tell us what you do. You know, what's the mission of the University of Oregon Foundation? Well, it's true. Uh, a lot of people have heard of the foundation, but uh, very few know exactly what the foundation is. And um, <clears throat> just for, I guess, clarification, the foundation is uh, is considered an instant- institutionally related foundation, which means that we're legally separate from the university, but we exist to support the university and within that that role in that context, our job is to our, our primary responsibility is to are to receive, manage, and distribute gifts that are directed to the University of Oregon. So private gifts, donations come to the foundation. Those are documented. Um, they're invested uh, where they're, for their appropriate investment, and then distributed to the university based upon the needs of the university and how that aligns with the gift from the donors. Okay. Okay. And and. and e- Describe sort of the working relationship, as you said, sort of a separate institution, but, you know, talk about how you and your team interact with the University of Oregon to make sure that you're, you know, obviously making, making, uh, you know, making that mission become a reality. Great. Thanks. That's actually a really good question. The, you know, the, the official role of the foundation is a we're fiduciaries, and that's a, a fancy word for to say that we're legally responsible for the safe um, investment and distribution of gifts to the university uh, from private donors. Um, I use a you know use a, a word that's that feels a little bit uh, less um, legal, okay. and we're, that we're actually stewards. Mm-hmm. So we're stewards of, of, of gifts, we're stewards of processes, and um, of the long-term goals of donors and the university. So that requires that, um, while we might be legally separate, we work uh, very, very closely with the university, and of course with donors, in, in what we would describe as a partnership. Okay, okay. As I understand it, foundations, a lot of universities have them. And maybe talk about sort of, as best you can, kind of how that came to be. How did how did institutions, including obviously the University of Oregon, you know, determine that that, that was something that they that they needed in order to, again, you know, meet the mission? Another really good question, and I will try to keep my answers uh linear and concise. Okay. If you, look at, if you look at universities around the United States, I, I would say that any university of, of any size has a foundation. And that uh, is is for the purposes I described before of, you know, separating private gifts from the normal operating um, funding of universities. And in a, whether it's a fiduciary or stewardship role, and there, there, there are a number of different models. Private universities that are typically just inside of inside the university, inside the treasury. Public universities have typically have separate foundations. Some have more 
uh, a broader scope than the U of O Foundation does. Many universities, the foundation holds the uh, houses, the fundraising department. Hmm. So the, the fundraisers, but at the University of Oregon, the fundraisers actually work for the university. They're University of Oregon employees. So we, we're in many ways kind of provide the back office services for those people who are direct fundraisers. We we have the donor database. We document all the gifts. We help them with gift agreements. So we do a lot of backroom uh, activities. Okay. Okay. Um, in, in, in any way that makes sense to you, if you could kind of put some, put some numbers around the University of Oregon Foundation, you know, in terms of the, 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 the monies that you manage, you know, the accounts, whatever, whatever, in order to give our listeners kind of an understanding of, of the, the, you know, the size and breadth of the University of Oregon Foundation. Well, it's easiest to start with the headline number, which is um, total assets of the foundation are over $3 billion. Mm. That certainly makes us the uh, largest foundation, significantly larger than any other in the state of Oregon. So we're, we've been very fortunate with not only investment growth, but also with some incredible donations from donors. I can slice and dice the three billion um, and and try to make it as clear as possible. Probably, you know, let's just call it just north of two billion, about two point, yeah, about two point one billion are assets assets that are invested for the long term and those in the university and foundation worlds are called endowment assets they're invested in perpetuity to be distributing um, funds back to the university from investment returns you know a century from now so so it's a it's a different type of investment philosophy very much long term very um, low risk uh, to try to get the you know the best return possible to not only make the distribution to the university, but also keep up with inflation. And then we have about, you know, let's just round it and call it 500 million. Okay. That is, um, and that might be a little long, but about 500 million that is, that's held in cash. And that the cash and cash-like investments are for short-term needs of the university. So someone might give a gift and let's just pick an arbitrary number of $100,000. Somebody might give a gift of $100,000 that is going to be uh, to for improvements on a building, let's say. And that um, that money would be held in a cash account because the money is going to be needed immediately. Uh, another person might give $100,000 for a scholarship for the School of Journalism and Communication. And that $100,000 would be invested in those long-term funds in the endowment and a distribution would be sent to the university every year from those earnings and those distributions are around 4%. So in that case, you have $100,000 that is going to be distributing, you know, four plus thousand dollars a year. And in the other case, it's $100,000 that's in cash that will be spent within a, you know, fairly short period of time. Okay. Okay. Then the, then the balance are uh, of that, that number over 3 billion are, are pledges. So people make pledges to the university and those are, you know, somebody, you know, well-recognized uh, or well-documented uh, pledges, like for the Balmer Institute in Portland. Mm -hmm. You know, that was a almost a five hundred million dollar pledge. I think it was about three hundred million of it was in uh, long term, or still to be received. Those are those are considered assets for foundations. So that's that's how you get over the three billion dollar number. Got it. Got it. Um, obviously, the university is funded through a lot of different revenue streams. There's, of course, you know, there, there, there's state funding, there's tuition, there's so, so 
a lot of different ways in which, at the end of the day, the University of Oregon is stood up and continues to, 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 to fulfill its mission of higher education. You know, my question to you is, if, if a foundation were never set up, what, what, how would it hamstring the university to do what it wants to do? another really good question because it becomes it's it's a much it's a much uh it's a it's a long discussion but i'm Mm going to make it fairly fairly brief and and really focus it on the university of oregon which is um which i think would be provide context for other universities and i'm going to start with you know private universities have always um they're privately funded through tuition and through donations so private universities are typically ahead of, of public universities in fundraising because they have always um, recognized and have needed, you know, private financial support. University, public universities, you know, the fundraising for public universities is really kind of a thing that started in the in in, in for real in like the seventies, I'd say sixties, seventies, hmm. and eighties. Um, you know, some some major universities started before, but but for the most part. You know, university, the, the U of O size university fundraising was was something kind of new. And, um, you know, at the same time, you know, if you look back in the history of the state of Oregon, the, the, the legislature um, began a process of reducing state support for for the public universities in the state. And if you look around the 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 for uh, the state of Oregon is actually 45th in state funding of higher education hmm. 40, 45th out of 50. so getting back to the to the, the salient point of your question it's um private fundraising uh donations to universities have become a a from meaningful to critical aspect or need for the success of public universities got it got it We're going to take a break. We're talking with the University of Oregon Foundation's president and CEO, Paul Weinhold. We'll be back in just a second. I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance. And we're back talking with Paul Weinhold. He is the University of Oregon Foundation's president and CEO. So, Paul, let's let's talk about your career and and sort of how you started and and talk about your career that led you to this point of 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 managing this this foundation uh, for the University of Oregon. Well, I have been uh, I've been in Eugene for um, gosh almost forty years now, hmm. including college, and I. You know, out of school, I went to work for the in the commercial insurance industry and was in that in various leadership roles in that for 20 plus years. And company I was with sold and um, just coincidentally, the foundation was in the in a national search for a new CEO and that uh, search failed. This was an unbeknownst to me. And I got a call from one of the, the chair of the board 
who I had, who I knew a little bit and said, would you, is there any chance you would consider doing this? And, um, you know, at, at that point I, I knew what the foundation was mm -hmm. from my own gift receipts, but I really didn't know what the foundation did. And, um, you know, at, after it didn't take very long, I mean, it, it, within a few weeks, it was very easy for me personally to recognize that the op the opportunity and the opportunity for me was to be part of you know a part of an organization and a and in and a university that i cared deeply about but also have a very strong belief in public higher education so it was really mission driven i left you know a a for-profit um highly lucrative enterprise because that didn't matter to me. Hmm. I was, I was, I, I was, and still am far more interested in being of uh, being some being part of something that's mission driven and value driven. And I'm a big proponent of public higher education, and certainly specifically the University of Oregon. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I assume you you attended the University of Oregon. Yes, I did. Yeah. So, so you, you're, you're somebody who not only can, you know, uh, talk about their alma mater with glowing terms, but you're, uh, you know, you've chosen a vocation and a career to help, uh, enhance that institution, you know, going forward. That's kind of a, that must, that must feel really good to know that in addition to having gone there and, and, and gotten so much from the university, now you're a part of ensuring its long-term success and, and growth. Uh, absolutely. It's um, I remain as committed today as I was 14 years ago that um, I absolutely believe in what we're doing here at the foundation, uh, love what we're doing here at the foundation to support the universities and the donors. And I and I love the fact that the university just continues to get you know, better and better and provide more and more for not only students, but faculty and for the for the city and the state, frankly. Yeah. Um running a large foundation, a large education foundation, what are some of the biggest challenges that you have to sort of overcome? And, and, and those could be sort of baked into the, the structure of the organization or, uh, you know, external forces that, that create some challenges. I mean, obviously, you know, and I, I've often, when I talk to people for this program, I talk about how they had to manage through COVID, but, but I imagine too, that, that there could be challenges of just, you know, economic, global economic uncertainty might impact the way in which you can, you know, collect the types of donor uh, monies that, 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 that you need. Talk about some of the challenges. You've been doing this for quite some time, you know, whether it's COVID or the Great Recession. What are some of those, you know, those, those choppy waters that you have to kind of sail through? The, the, I would, reflecting on that question, I would say that the, you know, we're always very focused and um, on what I would call the real rate of return on the endowment. Okay. So the endowment, just to give a, a quick summary of it, I mean, those are funds that are that are invested in perpetuity forever. Okay. So, you know, we've got a couple billion dollars in the endowment. That money needs to grow mm -hmm. and it needs to grow so that we can spend from it. So, you know, we'll we have a a, an, an intended expected long-term rate of return of 8%. Yep. And because we're going to spend, you know, close to five every year. So they leave three in there to keep up with inflation, hopefully. And, uh, you know, some years we have, you know, 
really, really great years. And some years it's, you know, because of some global macro or economic issues, we can have some real dud years. <laughs> um, we're fortunate that we have have a strong history of, you know, comparison in the in the higher education circles and those, you know, everybody reports their their endowment returns. We've historically been in the top quartile. So we've we've done well relatively, but you know, sometimes relative still isn't that good. Yeah. So it's that 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 long-term real rate of return. And that doesn't mean mean we make decisions like in a day to switch around our investment profile. It's you know the very thoughtful long-term investing, but sometimes you just have to sit there and write it out. Yeah. And um, which, you know, that's that's always job one. The the you know some of the 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 larger issues that were that are the things that are for us i would the, frankly look at them we look at them more as opportunities and those are opportunities to help the you know support the university and that can be building buildings for the university working with departments on their goals and initiatives um and that that it can be it, it can be really challenging and time consuming, but it's you know it's certainly rewarding. Yeah, yeah, I bet. It must be interesting in your role. You know, you are, you know, for for many people in the community, you are just as much a part of the university as the Department of Journalism or the Department of uh, you know Sports and Information. But you're not. You talked about the separation. Are there challenges in terms of of that separation? And and I guess I'm asking that in terms of just how you assemble your team. You know the interaction that you have with the president's office. You know, kind of walk us through how you manage uh, a, a, an organization that is very much branded the university and and very much operates because of the university but but yet you know you're kind of there's a uh, if i heard you right a, a bit of a you know a pretty solid wall between the two yes there 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 is a very solid clear legal wall between the foundation and the university but from a degree away it honestly is a distinction without a difference because you know the the normal person would look at the foundation it's like oh yeah you're part of the university or the the alumni association or whatever sure. and, you know just as if you know like athletics is part of the university but it's also kind of its own you know its own piece it's absolutely part of the university so it, it does create a it it does create challenges and it requires from a staffing standpoint, the right kind of people with the right attitude to be successful because it can't be, we can't be, our organization can't be successful by trying to be ahead of the university or, you know, I would put it more in the context of needing to get attention. So we don't, we don't have marketing plans. We don't, we don't market ourselves. We, you know, we really have a, a kind of a, a philosophy here that our role is, you know, I think this is appropriate. It's like we just we look at ourselves as okay, we're we're like the mother of the bride. <laughs> you know, we're a step back into the left. It's like nobody needs to know we're here. <laughs> we're here to support the university. The things that we do, um, the university um, rightly so gets credit for and and 
it's like, but that's all right. That's what that's what we're here to do. So we we really this the success that we have is built around that attitude of service and of support and being a being a partner of service to the university, the donors, and the the constituents. Okay. Um Talk a little bit about your sort of your team structure and within that, in addition to the nuts and bolts of how you've assembled your team, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, kind of the type of people that, that you want working for you. You know, you talked a little bit about, you know, that sort of humility, but pull that lens out a little bit. You know, who, who, who makes up the University of Oregon Foundation and, and what's, that, what's that special sauce that makes it work well? well? I would say that throughout the organization, they you know we have all the the same values you know, <laughs> that many organizations do you know trust respect commitment integrity and, and we we live by those values mm -hmm. at the same time i would say that the the people who are here are really mission driven and you know we're fortunate to have highly skilled and talented people who, quite frankly, in many ways, could make more money in the private sector, mm -hmm. uh, but they want to be part of something bigger. They yeah. want to be part of the university. And I've said, you know, we have people who's, you know, who work here that, you know, they they believe in high, public higher education, or they love the band, yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, <laughs> they just want to be part of the ecosystem. They don't need to be the center of it. They just want to be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it must bespeak some of your leadership style too to, to keep those people. Cause as you said, they probably could go out and make more money in the, in, in, in the, uh, the, uh, the private sector, but obviously retaining employees is always a, a challenge of a leader. And maybe talk a little bit about how your leadership style, you know, keeps that, you know, keeps the team together, but also keeps, keeps it growing and, 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 and sizing right to be able to discharge your mission. Well, I would say that, you know, my leadership style is, um, is, you know, if you take a continuum of continuum of completely hands on to completely hands off, I'm more toward the hands off. My, my goal has always been to work with people who are smarter than I am, who, who are more talented than I am and let them do their thing. And, uh, but they're also believe in the mission. Yeah. So I'm sort of the, the flag waver for the mission and, you know, help, you know, the team, you know, maybe solidify their goals and, and, and what they want to get accomplished. But it's, but it's, those are the kind of people who, who want to be here and who are here. And, uh, and then it just builds on itself because they enjoy working with each other so much that it's just a, um, it's a, it's just a very nice, um, collegial, but, but focused environment. I mean, we're here to do, we're here to make things better. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to that point, you know, obviously, uh, oftentimes a big, uh, point of discussion, you know, globally, or certainly around the nation is, is the fact that, you know, college tuition is, 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 is not static. It goes up and up and up and, 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 and colleges need more and certainly, you know, they want to provide as much of the experiential learning as possible for students. Talk about your role in order to 
provide for that experience, but then also your role, I know, you know, you touch a lot of monies that go towards student scholarships. Talk about how the foundation is, is part of that effort to, and, and you talked about your love of public education. Talk about the foundation's role in trying to um, make a world-class education like the University of Oregon as accessible as possible to as many people as possible. It's a uh, another really good question, and and it's something that uh, that we actually take very seriously here. The you know recognizing that we don't have people in this office who are directly involved in talking to you know. Mr. and Mrs. Smith about a scholarship for back to journalism. So we the the fundraisers do that. We where where we help or where we where we think about it in from our own context is, you know, we certainly want to do everything. We we handle all the back end. So all the gift receiving, the gift recording, the gift the gift agreements. So certainly from a service level, want to be supportive and in, in a very high touch way to the donor and the development officer although we're, we don't have you know we don't, we don't we're not the direct face person we have people who are involved but we're not the direct face person so we're certainly helping to facilitate gifts and around scholarships and and you could say that you know in many cases that while it may not be for scholarship there there's financial support provided by donors to you know support the 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 president's compensation to to fund deans uh, discretionary funds so that they can do things that are not requiring state dollars so that mm -hmm. it keeping you know it helps keep the costs down and from our own perspective you know we look at our you know from our from our budget standpoint we 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 actually talk about it in $10,000 increments if we're going to spend money it's like $10,000 is tuition for a college student and we're you know is this worth the investment of ten thousand dollars when it could go to it could go to a, a student. Now, granted, those funds don't come directly from us, but that's the philosophy. Is like we look at every dollar very, very closely. So we've you know we've done a lot of work over the last you know four or five years of really you know through automation, through some process improvements of reducing our costs to to be more efficient, to be less costly, so more money stays in the endowment and it can continue to grow and. Um, and as a as a result, it grows more. More funds come out to support the university. You know, we also, you know, as I said, we're managing all those gifts. So we we take a very uh, active role in in the in the what I would call the scholarship process to make certain that it, that the various schools and colleges and departments on campus know how many scholarships they have, how much money's in it. And to the to the point where we'll even check in with them. It's like, hey, you've got some money here for scholarship that they haven't spent. Hmm. So we, we we monitor that because they're probably, I don't know, a thousand scholarships. Wow. And, you know, they can, you know, because of just the 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 challenge of distributing those, sometimes people will, a student won't show up who had a scholarship and we got to redirect and it's like, okay, let's find somebody else to hmm. give that scholarship to. Hmm. But, it's, but it's real. I mean, the, the, the state funding over the, you know, Oregon's I think 45th in funding for state funding for higher education. So we're at the bottom of the barrel and, you know, the re reduction in state funding, the cost of running a university, um, 
continue to go up and philanthropy has to cover the difference because of the tuition gets passed to the students, yeah. but, you know, the cost to run the university. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paul, my last question for you is sort of sitting here today. Are there, do you have in, in your mind, you know, uh, an expansion of the foundation or I guess, what would you like to see happen in say the next three to five years for the university of Oregon foundation? Well, we have, uh, as I articulated earlier, just the, the basic job of the of the foundation is to receive, manage, and distribute gifts. Mm -hmm. We also are maintain the donor database. So we're at this point going through, or currently going through, a multi million dollar um, complete renovation of the donor database, hmm. so that to better help facilitate you know, development officers connecting with donors, having more information about them, and helping them, you know just a broader audience so people can be easier or more opportunities to generate gifts. We also um, do a lot of build a lot of buildings on behalf of the university, mm -hmm. you know, Hayward Field being one mm -hmm. and, um, you know, a number of other buildings around town Matt, or around campus, Matt Knight Arena. Um, so we're, we're constantly uh, entertaining ways that we can help the university in, in its growth and Probably the most the most recent thing is uh, we established an entity called Launch Oregon, which is um, a foundation entity, and Launch Oregon is, I would call it a, a venture studio. So mm -hmm. it's you know we we have a, a, some money that we've set aside for investment in uh, intellectual property and uh, ideas coming from campus that can be you know taken to a venture stage and turned into um, into businesses and the, you know, the impact, the important impact there, it's going to be long-term, but it's an economic benefit to the state, um, to the, to the, to this community for sure. And an opportunity for faculty to take their faculty and students to take their ideas and commercialize them. Wow. So wow. that's, that's, that's a very, you know, we're very excited about that. We're up and running. We have uh, got a, really hired our first person in, I think it was March or April. And then, and we're very, very soon going to have some of those, uh, some of those ideas and that intellectual property coming out of campus that we'll commercialize. That's very exciting. Very exciting. Well, Paul Weinhold, the University of Oregon Foundation's president and CEO, really appreciate you coming in and talking with us. Yeah, my pleasure, Michael. Thank you. That was our conversation with Paul Weinhold, the president and CEO of the University of Oregon Foundation. By far the largest foundation in the state, the U of O Foundation makes many things possible for the university to grow and thrive. This has been the Oregon Rainmakers podcast on KLCC. I'm Michael Dunn, your host. Thanks for listening.